Hello, Duncan Green here um, with the weekly roundup of From Poverty to Power. Um, the f Monday was Links I Liked, which was a kind of mix of European gloom and good news from elsewhere. So Branko Milanovic put together a shocking, really, table of all the upheaval that's going on in in Europe right now, from Brexit in UK to the Gilets Jaunes in France to challenges to the rule of law in Hungary, and it really makes quite a spectacle. In terms of good news from elsewhere, we had uh, the Ebola vaccine being tested in the Congo. It sh is showing very promising results. Um, and just for a bit of fun, a lovely Era Mexico um, ad where they were trolling people in the southern United States who are anti-Mexican by offering them discounts according to the percentage of their DNA that comes from Mexico. And people were torn between delighted getting a cheap deal and horror that they were a bit Mexican, which was very funny. Tuesday was a bit of a cheat from me, so I knew I had an upcoming uh, grilling from some students at Guelph University in Canada on power and systems because they're using uh, How Change Happens on their, as one of their course books. And they'd sent in some really good questions, so I just asked people on the blog to give me a help with the answers. Um, the, the, the questions that really were the most challenging were the ones about what you do in real time. Like in real time, how do you know whether a little signal you see, a little change you see is the start of some big critical juncture, some big tectonic shift, or just a little blip that will go away? And that question of how do you navigate through the fog, I think, is always really fascinating. And I got some good responses um, on the blog and had a great conversation with the um, students at Guelph later in the week. Wednesday was a straightforward advert uh, for the uh, MOOC, the massive open online course that we ran in the autumn. On uh, It's basically a MOOC for activists called Make Change Happen. Uh, uses the book and a lot of the other sort of uh, materials that Oxfam campaigners use. We ran it in the autumn. It got 3,000 uh, participants, two-thirds of them women, a fantastic spread of ages from, 20, you know, from early 20s right up to about one in 10 of the students were over 65, so very democratic in terms of age. Um, mostly uh, the biggest continent represented was Europe, but then the next biggest was Asia and the next biggest was Africa. So where are the Americans? I was interested in that. Anyway, we're rerunning the MOOC. Yeah, we tweaked it, improved it, and it starts again on the 4th of March. So if you are interested or um, you want to tell your friends, go and have a look for that. It's, uh, it's free. It's eight weeks, about an hour and a half, two hours a week, and it's got some really good stuff in there, I think. On Thursday, Erinj Sahan, who's an ex-famer, an ex-Oxfam person, who now runs the World Fair Trade Organization, also asked for help. He has, his organization has about 330 members who are really interesting social enterprises who are trying to go way beyond the sort of traditional pay a bit more fair trade to a complete rethink of the business model of private businesses. But they are all hyper busy, small, most of them are small. And Erin wants to know how can those group of businesses find allies to really talk about changing the system, the structure, the enabling environment for capitalism, which is currently skewed towards short term results, big is beautiful, um, predatory, shareholder returns. You know, how do you shift that to a much more social model of capitalism? Um, and uh, we, uh, he ended his piece with a vote, you know, saying here are four potential allies because we're going to have to find allies in this. What do you think? And after the first 50 votes anyway, 
the the best ally was seen to be the new economy movement all those groups that are talking about new economics um way and and the bottom of the list sadly was academic friends and allies um although you could of course find academics in the new economy movement and square your circle friday was a report back on a fascinating session i had with save the children this seems to be the strategy time of year i did uh, strategy meetings with both Save the Children and the American Friends Service Committee, which is the Quaker international body this week. Um, And then both of them, I presented a paper I wrote in the middle of last year called Fit for the Future 2.0, which was looking at sort of crazy ideas for how Oxfam could use the 2018 sexual um, scandal to sort of change its nature and reposition itself for 2030. All the INGOs seem to be having this kind of conversation. Um, uh, and so I trotted along to a meeting of all the big save, uh, big cheeses, um, and uh, presented that. But um, to be honest, I was completely dazzled by one of the other speakers, Marianne Jam, who is a Senegalese woman with the most extraordinary backstory. She was uh, trafficked at, 16, at 13 to France. She never went to school properly until she was 16 when she taught herself to read and write. From that inauspicious start, she has become a tech guru, uh, set up something called IamTheCode.com, uh, which is trying to teach a million women and girls to, uh, in Africa to code by 2030. She's the first Senegalese woman to go to the Arctic, to the Antarctic. She's one of those extraordinary people. And the really exciting thing is that she agreed to do a podcast with me in the future, and she suggested we do it in the restaurant at Brixton Prison, near where I live. Brixton Prison has set up a restaurant with a wonderful name, The Clink, which is a, uh, a English slang for a, a, a jail. And uh, The Clink, in The Clink, the food is cooked and served by prisoners. So I've been there once, and um, they are the biggest waiters I've ever seen. They clearly spend a lot of time in the gym. And Mariam's going to uh, do a podcast with me um, on, on that, which is great. What we actually talked about in the ginger session uh, with, with Save the Children was um, this question that millennials don't want to just hand over their money and, and say, yeah, okay, you go and we'll do some good with it. They have this kind of DIY sort of do-it-yourself instinct that they want to see it, they want to go there, they want to hand over the money to the people who need it. Uh, in a sense, they want to disintermediate and get rid of the middle man or woman, which has traditionally been the role of organizations like Save and Oxfam. So we were talking about, so how do you, you can't just wave that away and say, they're there, just give us the money, we know what we're doing. But on the other hand, if groups of millennials raise millions of dollars and just rock up in after a disaster and start handing it out, we know from our own experience just how disruptive and negative that can be. So we're going to have to find some way of collaborating. And I don't think saying, you know, come and work with Oxfam or come and work with Save is probably the best way. We probably need to think in terms of startups and sort of hybrids where we work with those people, set up new, much more funky, agile organizations and, and work together to try and uh, responds to this new interest in changing the world, but in a different way from the way we're used to. So that's the end of my uh, my week's posts, and have a good weekend, everybody, and I'll see you next week.